You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello. Welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 66. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners, so please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. I'm Mark, and as usual, I am joined by my co-host from Texas. I'm Jasmine. Uh, uh, this week's review, we are reviewing The Cult of Dracula Volume 1 from Sourcepoint Press, which is the, well, the only six issues as a miniseries. <laughs> it's a miniseries. So far. Um, so, spoiler warning, this is a review show, so if you have not had a chance to read any of the first six issues of Cult of Dracula, I'm going to pause this and come back later, because we are spoiling all of it. Jump in. I think we're just going to jump straight into the news. There's a fair bit of news. Oh, and, man. Um, so much stuff. <laughs> there was, there's loads of things that happened this week. I mean, we didn't even write this down. There's going to be a new Rocketeer film on Disney+. Plus. There's uh, yeah. so much stuff going on. But I thought we'd jump into some big announcements from Marvel and DC. So yeah. We're, keep, we're keeping it with the big two this week. Yeah, yeah. we're just going to stick with the big two. There's a load of, there's a load of other things that we saw, but when Marvel and DC dropped their big, big news this week, I would say DC's news was wider. Like Marvel's DC was just, just, just comics, but equally, equally exciting. So they've announced eight new comic book titles um, to go along with um, the fact that they're 82 years old. So oh, well, happy Marvel- birthday. <laughs> so, so originally um, Marvel Comics was called Timeless and uh, the, the, the first publication of their first ever comic, Marvel Comics issue one from Timely, sorry, it was called Timely Publications, not Timeless, sorry, Timely Publications were 82 years ago. So straight out of the bat, they've released like this timeline picture where it shows a bunch of books coming out between sort of December 2021 mm-hmm. all the way to February 2022. How very MCU of them to release yeah. it in that format. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. That was very like, yeah. movie. it was like very movie tentpole. Yeah. Um, I think it did confuse a few people. Like, is this movies? Like, no, no, no. This is this is just comics. Like, yeah. So, uh, however, two of those comics are very well timed. Well, <laughs> would you say think? that they're timely publications? Well, oh yeah, no. But I just thought of something just before I jumped to the first one. So we know that, like, we're going to talk about She Hulk and. Um, uh, what's it called? Moon. Uh, I Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about those in a minute, but we know that those are, cut are times of potential TV shows. Now, the first one I was about to talk about, Devil's Reign, is a Daredevil event, which is out in December. And initially, I was about to say that's not mm-hmm. timed with any TV. Well, I was about to say, <laughs> but it's time for Spider Man. But it is timed with Spider Man No Way Home coming out <laughs> in December. So now it's got me thinking. <laughs> It's Is Matt Murdock. A- it's got to be Matt Murdock in the movie. Like, it's got, like, I mean, I hadn't considered it before we started recording, but now I'm thinking, did they deliberately cancel Daredevil? One story-wise, but could this story have just been in the main Daredevil book? Probably. But they probably were like, well, how do we get a new Daredevil number one on the shelves in time with, um, you know, with, with the Spider-Man movie? This is just pure speculation here, like on my part. So anyway, so spinning out a current Daredevil title with Chip Zdarsky and Marco Chichito. Um, sorry if I butchered your name. Uh, anyway, so longtime villain Kingpin 
he's been kind of in Daredevil and Spider-Man and he's been the mayor of New York City and he's kind of been doing whatever he wants in in both books I haven't been reading Daredevil uh it's something I want to read I do have it to read just haven't got around to reading it however I've been reading Amazing Spider-Man I know as the mayor he's been a bit more cartoony in Nick Spencer's run but he Mm. has equally been up to no good in that book however there's going to be a lot of crap going down um and I've seen some of the preview pages for Devil's Reign and Jessica Jones is going to be in it and Luke Cage is going to be in it and it's kind of um some private eyes getting offed and potentially Kingpin is clearing house. So they, they have said it's going to be, uh, there's going to be sort of a new version of Thunderbolts in this book as well. And it's going to be, the characters are going to be in Devil's Reign. It'll be Daredevil, Elektra, Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. I think it's brilliant that they're bringing Spider-Man in because obviously, like I said, Nick Spencer's run it, um, I'm first, sorry, uh, Kingpin has had quite a, a prominent role. Uh, it's now really making me double down on that Spider-Man speculation, though. The <laughs> Spider-Man's in that book. So I think we will have to see. Like, what was that Matt Murdock shirt uh, hanging over, over Tom Holland at the police station? Oh, now? man. Oh, yeah. man. But also, if they're bringing in the Fantastic Four characters... I mean, could that could that potentially be another like entry point for bringing those characters into the MCU fold as well? I mean, it's only a matter of time before Fantastic Four come in. Um, and also, I mean, the rumors around everywhere about whether we're getting a dead, um, sorry, getting Thunderbolts or some sort of Dark Avengers in the Marvel universe as well. Sorry, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. So, again, Marvel could just be teasing us. <laughs> They're very good at that. I mean, it could just be that it's just a story. Chip Zdarsky was like, look, I've got a big event story that's coming up. Like, you know, I could easily tell it within the main book and, and Marvel were like, no, 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 no. Number ones do sell more. So we'll, we'll give it another little relaunch. So, um, and also we know that we'll probably get a few more people in comic shops around that time. So yep. mm-hmm. it could just literally just be that. Anyway, uh, Avengers Forever is the next one. <clears throat> I'm not reading Avengers, but this is, um, I'm not reading the current Avengers book. I have read Avengers in the past. I just haven't read any of Jason Aaron's. I've heard mixed uh, things about it. So what this book will be about is a sort of a multiversal Avengers lineup. Um, basically, it says here, bring order to timelines where hope is a four-letter word. I mean, it's, it's always a four-letter word. Um <laughs> don't really understand that but anyway so uh they're going to have an alternate version of tony stark and he's going to be an archaeologist and it's also going to have an and this is in speech marks invincible ant-man i'm curious to see what that's about i'm not that excited um but apparently spins out the events of november's avengers issue 50 slash 750 uh if you're using legacy numbering but yeah like i say i'm not particularly excited but it comes out in december i might have a flick for it on the shelves like that's probably about it for me um so the next book is timeless which is the uh, sort of king the conqueror limited series that they're doing where it will follow the time tyrant as he defends marvel's main universe uh the 616 against a threatening new timeline that has emerged so that one's going to be helmed by uh, Jed McKay and Kev Walker, Joe Bennett, and Mark Bagley are going to be the artists on that one. That's coming out in December. 
which honestly that sounds a heck of a lot like the uh, ending of season one of loki I, I mean, again, it's just times with TV, isn't it? Loki came out earlier this mm-hmm. year. So, I mean, obviously, when I think when the Loki TVs, I haven't read the Kang the, Kang the Conqueror miniseries that's going on at the moment. So, Timeless is going to spin out of that. Um, I haven't read it that far. When they sort of did the Kang the Conqueror miniseries around the ending of Loki, I was like, well, that was time to Loki. Yeah. And now, and now we're getting this Timeless thing, which feels very much like a Loki TV series. So it's, it, you know, they kind of feed into each other, don't they? Because the TV... It makes sense, though. I mean, if people are already talking about something and they want to get more information, there's no better time than to be like, like, at, and especially like one of the movie theaters by my parents' house there's a comic shop in the same like parking lot as the movie theater. So anytime my mom and I go and see a superhero movie, she immediately walks out of the theater and she's like, okay, let's go to the comic store. I'm like, okay, mom, sure. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think that's good though. Cause if you think about movies, the movies and the TV series, um, Marvel, and, and DC, they most of the stories are inspired by the comics. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it's kind of um, clever thinking by marketing and people yeah. like that to create create stories that are based or not based from the movies, but like have very similar tones to the movies and the TV series. Because yeah. you know, if you if you were a massive fan of Loki, and you like you just said you're walking past a comic shop, you walk in, you say to the comics dude. Like I'm, um, I enjoyed the Loki TV series. Is there anything I can buy? Yeah, there's a Kang, Kang the Conqueror miniseries there, mm-hmm. or Timeless in December that's coming out. You know that those will be things that you'll be familiar with. So you know, I, I think that's quite clever on their yeah. part. Again, again, I mean, cross marketing it makes sense, right? Like yeah. your 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 movie audience can bleed over into your comic audience. Your comic audience can bleed over into your television. On like it all blends together. Now you're not going to hit all of the same people with every medium, but you're going to get carryover. Like exactly like you said, like somebody walks out or somebody watches something on Disney Plus and they're like, you know, I really want to know more about that character. Let me go see what the comics are saying. Mm-hmm. I think I think like we had Robbie on last week and said, um, you know, you'll get cat people walking in saying, look, I enjoyed mm-hmm. Swamp Thing by Ram V. And he's like, well, Ram V also writes, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the this book by boom studios um names completely forgotten me but anyway but you know so you can look at synergies between them you know if you're a fan of that creator you should be a fan if you're a fan of his style or her style of writing or or illustration you should also like this other thing that they've done so um i think it's definitely a good idea by marvel and dc to have that sort of cross um uh you know product so mm-hmm. anyway let's jump into wolverine so what's better than one wolverine book well obviously two two Wolverine books so <laughs> like you know like, like people aren't paying enough money the, those X titles are going crazy as they are and there's uh, many X books and so they thought well let's uh let's have two Wolverine books you know so in the style of House of X and Powers of X they have decided that they're going to have two Wolverine books called X Lives of Wolverine and X Deaths of Wolverine by the current uh, Wolverine writer Ben Percy so he's going to be running these two miniseries it's again sort of very multiversal reality altering so it's going to be a bit like sort of days of future past Mm -hmm. logan you know it's going to be sort of alternate versions of wolverine basically um so he'll be joined by joshua cassara um and frederico 
vicinity. I don't know. Um, anyway, both are due to come out in January 2022. I don't know much more than that. Uh, I did read the first few issues of the current Wolverine book. It is something I'd like to go back and read. I, I probably will at some point. Uh, i probably do it over my Christmas break when I'm catching up when there's... I say not a lot on Christmas. Yeah. Is busy. <laughs> I was going to say Christmas is always busy. I mean, I might, I might get a spare half an hour somewhere. Anyway, but I, I, I look, I, I'm, I'm curious, but I mean, Wolverine only got killed off like two or three years ago. And then when they brought him back, they like brought him back with like 18 different miniseries. Like, I don't know. Okay, but here we go. We're seeing links here to the multiverse. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that. I don't know what that's about. But uh. I mean, it, the multiverse is the hot new thing right now, Mark. Don't you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know? What? I heard a rumor the other day that apparently Boom Studios are considering having their own Buffy verse. So their current Buffy titles, which are brand new, potentially crossing over with the original sort of Buffy Angel characters that were from the TV series and sort of a across like so like a bit like spider-verse mm-hmm. so I heard, I heard that the other day no idea how true that is but everybody's loving these like multiverse multiple multiple earth things you know seem people seem to like them so i guess why not hey i mean if it ain't broke <laughs> <laughs> uh so one of the next books coming out is going to be she hulk which of course coincides with the disney plus series um, She-Hulk is going to be returning to shelves in a brand new ongoing series with writer Rainbow Roll and artist Roger Antonio. Roger Antonio. Um, it's going to be picking up with uh, from the She-Hulk from the Avengers. That ongoing series is up right now. What was that one called? Um, World War She-Hulk. There we go. Um, and in this storyline this new storyline she is going to be kidnapped and put sort of like through this black widow type uh red room reprogramming um so then the series picks up following jennifer as she sort of tries to put all of that in her past and move forward but of course it's comics can't let the past go that easily um so some shady character from her past digs up a whole bunch of stuff that is not going to work out too well in her favor is what I'm guessing. So the new She-Hulk book is going to be dropping pretty soon um, in January 2022. I, I actually wouldn't mind reading this. Um, I mean, I might pick this up just so I can have like a primer for the show. I, no, I'm curious about Rainbow Rowell. So she's like written mainly young adult um books i have read actually one of her books uh fangirl i mainly mm. read that because i was actually intrigued by the title and um fangirl is a book about a girl who is a fan of a in that world like a kind of a harry potter-esque franchise but mm-hmm. it was within and then every other chapter is fan fiction that the character writes and um <laughs> so i was i quite liked fangirl i've never read anything else by rainbow but i i probably would and I know she's been writing um, The Runaways, which I think has been, from what I've heard, been received mm-hmm. quite well. So, that I mean, she's on like issue 30 something now, so I'm, I'm not going to go and get that. Um, but I would be quite intrigued to see how she handles She-Hulk. So what, what intrigues me more is how, you know, a, a writer that's mainly written young adult books has obviously jumped on to Runaways, Runaways and then now She-Hulk. So I'm intrigued mm-hmm. to see how she would handle that. Yeah, so, what the transition is like there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it's handled really well. 
but I would, I would quite like to pick it up and see. So, uh, and also like, uh, you know, we'll be excited about She-Hulk TV series. So mm-hmm. I think grabbing that first issue might be quite cool. Anyway, Fantastic Four, Reckoning War. So Dan Slott is the main writer on Fantastic Four. I've no idea if this is going to be a replacement for Fantastic Four or whether it's an add-on, like an event, as like a bit like Empire was, you mm-hmm. know, Fantastic Four. So I don't know much more than that. They haven't said. Um, all they've said is it's described as a reignition of the original Secret War of the Marvel Universe. Um, and, yeah, all we can probably assume is that they're referring to the 80s um, event and so there's been a few secret wars um and yeah it's been going to be drawn by carlos patch Pacino and uh, and rachel slot other than that not much more information on that it's coming out january 2022 um i'm not reading fantastic four but i've heard that it's getting much better since he because originally dan Slott was writing iron man and fantastic four i've heard since mm-hmm. he's just writing fantastic four that he's actually that is become really good uh so i don't know let us know let us know if it's worth <laughs> grabbing oh, yeah. and the last book that they announced is a revival so to speak of moon girl and double dinosaur which is such a cute book if you have never picked up moon girl and double dinosaur i promise you lunella lafayette she is so adorable like plus she's like friends with a freaking dinosaur like come on um it is going to be coinciding of course with the release of the animated series for moon girl and double dinosaur that will be on disney plus however marvel is not saying who the creative team will be on this relaunch so set for february 2022 but we don't know exactly who is going to be inking the book or writing the book or guess we'll find out so wait and see but i'm excited because i I just love the characters i wonder if they're doing that because i wonder if they maybe use some of the tv people like whoever's i I, actually i I actually don't know who's behind the tv series but i wonder if some of the tv people are coming into the comic world and Mm -hmm. and doing something so um yeah i'm quite interested to to watch the animated series uh yeah i've never read a single moon girl comic but it's i've really heard uh, it's yeah. it's like one of it's my favorite kind of genre where it's like a smart nerdy girl and supposedly uh lunella is like the she's an inhuman which is the reason that she can you know talk to the dinosaur um or communicate with the dinosaur but like she's supposed to be one of the smartest people in the mcu if not the smartest person not mcu um in the marvel world but she's only nine years old and it's just like I don't know it's like kid shenanigans but smart kid shenanigans anyway it just it's so cute plus like i said she's freaking friends with the dinosaur like come on um i i i think i'll pick it up i actually would be interested in reading it because i've never read a single moon girl series so yeah. i think when the tv i i can see where the why why they're doing this is quite clever marketing because mm-hmm. tv tv series will be coming out i don't know much about it so i'll be like yeah do you know what? i'll pick it up yeah um so that's that's about it for our marvel news and we'll just jump straight into dc where they have announced their sort of not complete lineup just categories of what they're going to be talking about in dc fandom which is going to be happening um this year october 16th 24-hour live stream event they've done this before it's a lot of fun it was all virtual before 
even when two people are on stage together, everybody was separate through the magic of movie making and green screens. Um, so it's just, it's, to me, it was a really fun virtual event. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing again. Um, kicking off with that, they've got Warner Brothers Pictures is going to be showcasing some of their most anticipated titles, including an exclusive brand new trailer for the Batman. Um, they're also going to have new content from the DC League of Super Pets. There's also going to be a first look at Black Adam, which I'm pumped about. I feel like there has not been. I know the rock schedule is super busy, but like I feel like there just hasn't been enough Black Adam content to kind of, you know, whet the appetite for what's what's to come. So super excited about Black Adam stuff. We're going to get a look at The Flash, which this movie, I'm excited about this movie because I really love Ezra Miller's Flash. But this movie has been through the ringer like you would not believe. So I'm also very nervous because I have no idea what kind of film we're going to get with The Flash. Um, we're also going to get a behind the scenes look at Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom um, and Shazam, The Fury of the Gods. So the, they're basically putting all their money on their big pictures that are coming out in the next couple of years. From that, I'm most excited about the Batman. I honestly think it does look good. I, look, don't get me wrong. I, I'm annoyed that DC have effed up the way they have like, in, ter <laughs> in terms of... That's a whole other conversation. Their impatience. Yeah. Oh, they, sh they should have slowly built a world before they did Justice League. It, it, it was never going to work. Anyway, however, Robert Pattinson, I think, actually will be a good Batman. So I... It's a bit weird that they're trying to now build two Earths and have different. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, oh, anyway, I'm, I'm not on board with that, but what's that? Batman, that Batman film does look really good. So, I, 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 what I'm assuming is that there's probably maybe a lot of this was some sort of. Well, I mean, I know the Ben Affleck Batman was going to be potentially fighting Deathstroke, which would have been flipping amazing. Like, it would have been a really cool film. Um, so I don't really know where this story came from, but I think this film was the fallout of Ben Affleck and DC not being able to make something work. Mm -hmm. But the trailers I have seen for Robert Pattinson, he does it pretty cool. I do love that. I am vengeance. I'm like, damn. Like, <laughs> cool. So anyway, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, the next sort of part of the DC world that we're getting, well, Warner Brothers Television, we're going to get... Um, first look at the new seasons of Batwoman, The Flash, Superman and Lois, Sweet Tooth, which I'm excited about. We're gonna dun, get, dun, dun. So glad I got picked up for a second season. I'm um, going to get a farewell tribute to Supergirl because um, obviously the conclusion of season six is around the corner. They're going to celebrate 100 episodes of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Um, obviously a first look at Naomi. So we talked about... Um, Actually, no, we weren't talking about it earlier. We were talking about before we start recording. Yeah. Was, before we start recording, we were talking about Naomi. Anyway, but it so, does the pre the the one preview image that they have released before Naomi so far it looks really good, like spot on with the comics. So I'm super stoked about that too. Uh, they also said a sneak peek of upcoming episodes of uh, Stargirl. So from that, I'll be honest with you, I um do not care about Legends of Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably the worst show that they have. Um. <laughs> Like, there is it's an awful show. I, do you know what I heard the other day was apparently Legends of Tomorrow was not going to be made. It was originally going to be a Suicide Squad TV show. Really? Uh, yeah, that's why I, I heard that the other day. And the reason 
that didn't happen is because DC were like, well, no, we want to make a Suicide Squad film, so you can't make a Suicide Squad TV series. So then they came up with Legends of Tomorrow instead. So, huh. uh, yeah. So, but that would make sense in some ways because half the cast originally were villains, weren't they? Like, um, yeah, Captain, Captain Cold and um, Heat Wave, mm-hmm. um, and even even Sarah is kind of borderline villain here and there. I think now yeah. she's more hero but she had when she was an arrow killed lots of people so i can see like where they may have got that idea from was like you know they want to kind of put some sort of villain type people in in their own book uh sorry in their own book in their own um tv show show. yeah Yeah, the villains is usually one of the things that they don't really explore too much especially in the tv shows so it would have been nice if if we had gotten like a villain centric show that was a little bit better I think Suicide Squad TV series would have been brilliant. However, it probably would have had a short, a shorter shelf life. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, I, look, I'm not going to bag on this tomorrow. People obviously like it. It's been going on a while. So, <laughs> I, I haven't watched the last two seasons. It is something that I constantly say, oh, one day I'll go back and watch it because I do, I do have a fondness for these um, CW shows. But yeah. But it's almost like they've been running so long that have they run their course? You know, like how much life do these shows still have left in them? If in terms of the style, so when they first came out, I loved them all. Um, I always preferred, I think, Arrow's seriousness. Um, One of the things I preferred about The Flash was that they were not always willing to kill people off, where Arrow Mm -hmm. killed too many people off too quickly. And then I think they realized it around season four, they like killed off all their cast. Mm-hmm. So then they, there was a bit of a, I think there was a thing around season five of Arrow. I may be wrong on the seasons here, but there was a thing where they rebuilt their entire cast, brought a whole load of new people in, mm-hmm. uh, which actually was a brilliant idea. In fact, they ended up with some really cool new characters. And I think that's what I preferred about the flash was that they weren't always willing to kill people off. The only trouble with that is now we're in like season eight of the flash and we've only <laughs> just lost two main characters. So yeah. So, you know, I think they should have, that, that was the other trouble. The Flash was the opposite. They just didn't want to kill anybody off. Right. Uh, um, I don't think you necessarily need to kill people off, though. Like, have people leave and, cut, like, come and go, like, real life. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll finish it there. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Warner Brothers Games, which, actually, I am super stoked about one of these games. I mean, the other one looks good to you, but I'm super stoked about the first one. Uh, and that first game is Gotham Knights. And Gotham Knights is an action RPG. It's open world Gotham City. You're playing, there are four playable characters. You can be Nightwing, Batgirl, Robin, or Red Hood, which Red Hood, like one of these things is not like the other, right? Um, So each of the characters, they have their own unique play style, very similar to any other RPG you play. It's basically like you pick your class, you pick your character, um, and then you run with it. So you can play solo, but the game does also feature a uh, multiplayer co-op mode. Um, the other game that they're going to be coming out with is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which, again, another action RPG. This one is based in an open world metropolis. Uh, again, four playable characters. So you can either be Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, or King Shark. Um, and same, same sort of mechanics. You can play solo, but there's also a this one includes a four player co-op mode. Now, the beauty of these games for antisocial gamers like myself that don't like to play multiplayer modes, if you happen to be playing multiplayer and one of the characters drops out, it does not affect 
your play. Basically, the AI feature will kick back in and it's like you're playing solo with with no issues. So I think that's pretty cool how you can come and go with the multiplayer mode without really affecting too much of anything. Um, a lot of the way that the game mechanics work is, you know, again, the characters have different classes. When you level up your character, basically enemies are automatically scaled to match your character's level. So you will you will not feel overpowered as you are going through these open world uh, metropolis or Gotham City streets. But I'm actually super stoked about Gothamites. It looks so much fun. They showed some of the mechanics for that. Um, I want to say sometime last year, maybe it was at E3. Uh, but it just looked so fun. It looks like such a fun game to play. So can't wait to get my hands on that one. I think that game was pretty cool. Like I don't think I've ever bought a DC game ever. Oh, man. Uh, I have uh, Arkham Asylum, the game of the year version. And... I haven't finished it, but like, I enjoy it. Like it, it takes some getting used to because it's, uh, I mean, obviously you're playing this Batman, so you can't just shoot people. Uh, so it takes some getting used to doing like takedowns and non-lethal combat. Um, but Arkham, Arkham Asylum is it's really good. It's a really good series. Like if you haven't picked it up, I would definitely suggest checking out one of the Arkham Asylum games. I, I may just do that. Um, <laughs> do you know what? Like it's it's like September, and I have barely played games this year. I don't know what happened to the year. Like I got yeah. like a bunch of games. We games. got busy with podcasting. That's what happened. Yeah, podcasting, but <laughs> like life as well. And yeah. I think the trouble is like TV, movies, comics. Yeah. Games just unfortunately took a bit of a shelf. Well, um, but also games backseat. took a big hit too. Like a lot of them got delayed. And then when they finally did come out, they were really glitchy. Talking to you, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, so I, know, I don't think I, there yeah, was too much ga- game content this year. No, but I mean, even like games that I bought that are a bit old. I bought some, mm. I got some older games for Christmas. And I no, that's, you played Spider Man though. Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, I can actually, actually, yeah, to be fair, I ended up concentrating on the Spider Man game that came out a few years ago. Yeah, and um, you got the Miles Morales one. Yeah, I did. I did um, get that, but I haven't started it. I haven't finished it. And you know, one of the reasons I haven't finished it is my 11 year old completed it within a week. And I, <laughs> and I, and I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> I, I want to take my time with it. Like, because it's, it is a short game, Miles Morales. So. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about DC publishing. So oh, here we go. Here we go. So uh, basically they've said to honor the legacy of the greatest superheroes and icons uh, or uh, an icon of truth and equality, Wonder Woman, they're going to release three up, um, showcase three upcoming books. So DC explores a history with the DC Black Mabel miniseries, Wonder Woman Historia, um, expands the Amazon mythos um, with Nubia and the Amazons, and honors her inspiration she provided to women around the world with a graphic novel, Wonder Woman sorry wonderful women of the world you know they freaking owe us after wonder woman 84 like you owe us some decent wonder woman content i don't read wonder woman um i'm excited to pick up the nubia book for sure yeah i i know there's a few uh, there's a few wonder woman graphic novels i'd like to pick up and put on our um uh our late to the party thing so you know i actually the last time i was in china i picked up a Chinese version of Wonder Woman, so I have that up on my shelf too. Wow, well, uh, <laughs> I, 
I'll have to read it in English. Anyway, <laughs> so they've also released more details about some other miniseries. So there's going to be uh, another installment of the Batman Fortnite crossover. Of course there is. Let's of course, Fortnite that, makes too much money. That thing's sold like flipping hotcakes. I mean, they were, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how many printings they did of the first issue. I mean, with the Batman Fortnite miniseries they had previously, though, they had people that were just Fortnite fans wanting a Batman comic. So, I mean, it was a great idea whoever came up with that. So I, I'll be honest, I, I read Batman and I saw there was a Batman Fortnite miniseries and I was like, I don't care. I don't, read, I don't play Fortnite. <laughs> so, <laughs> although now I wish I had bought it and flipped it. <laughs> like, uh, I never buy to flip, but that would have been a good one to have flipped. So anyway, so there's some more up and coming details as well is expected for the Batman Fear State event, which is about to come out. Um, uh, the new six issue miniseries, Black Man- Manta. So, Black Manta, if you're not aware, was in the Aquaman movie, but obviously he's a historic Aquaman villain. And also the return of the Master and Universe. We've also, well, we've been getting some of those books have been coming out already. Yeah. So, um, you know, like things like Static Shock and um, Hardcore and um, stuff like that. So, um, I think we just have to stay tuned to see what else they throw our way. But it sounds like there's obviously they're going to cover a lot of the events and things that we're already aware of, but they're going to just give us a little bit more information. Yeah. So interesting stuff. All right. So HBO Max is uh, going to be, of course, their their big thing that they're announcing lately is uh, all about Peacemaker and his series uh, that they're going to be doing. They also mentioned a limited series event uh the dmz which i don't know much about mark knows a little bit more about that one than than uh me but the streamer is also going to be doing far more sneak peeks of titans and doom patrol um titan season three comes out is it already out it might already be out um season three started yeah so titans is it and doom patrol surprisingly are doing are doing pretty well they're getting Lions is amazing. Yeah. Lions is, is, <laughs> uh, probably out of, I w- so I would say if we were talking about the CW shows earlier, of all of their shows, I mean, I've not, uh, I, well, I tried to watch Doom Patrol. I couldn't get into it, but I, I, I would like to go back. So from their TV shows at the moment, Superman, Lois, Stargirl, and Titans are their three best superhero shows. Like, they're amazing. So. Well, do those really count, though, since they're on CW? So Titans is... Titans um, is HBO Max. Yeah, so Stargirl and um, I'm t- no, I'm talking about oh DC, DC in general, DC Warner Brothers. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. But, however, within their multiverse, they are all within the same multiverse. So when Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, um, they did have a thing at the very end of Crisis on Infinite Earths on CW, and they did show that Stargirl, I believe, was Earth Two, and they did show Titans was on another Earth. So they are <laughs> essentially all connected. So. Dun, dun, dun. All right. And uh, animation, Warner Brothers Animation is going to be taking a look at the upcoming series Aquaman King of Atlantis. They're also going to be providing a sneak peek into season three of the adult animated comedy series, which if you have not watched it, please do. That was the whole, whole controversy around whether or not Batman goes down on Catwoman. Just it, hilarity. Okay. So the, the Harley Quinn series, uh, we're going to see what's in store for Harley B. Uh, they are going to be giving us an early look at Dark Knight, um, which is the next animated chapter um, in the upcoming Batman Cape Crusader series. And we're going to be getting a preview of Young Justice Phantoms. But they said, be careful, because there's going to be spoilers for that one. So. 
fun stuff. I mean, honestly, I really wish I really wish their animation. I mean, their um, film universe would talk to their animation universe a little bit more. I think there's a treasure trove of knowledge there with DC animation and Warner Brothers animation that could help out the film universe quite a bit. I think everybody says it about DC. They just wish some of them, whoever was in charge of their movies, would talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, probably the best person to do would be like, look, Feige, how much? <laughs> yeah. Literally, how much would it cost <laughs> to get you to come work? We'll here? give you a totally new pen name. Nobody has to know. You don't even have to tell your wife, man. Come on, just come work for us, please. Help us. Oh yeah, can you just come over a weekend? Yes, like, yeah, know. it's totally fine. Well, uh, yeah, we won't, we won't, we won't tell Marvel. No, yeah, no, no, well, no. Why don't they just pay him to come leave? He, you know, I don't reckon he would leave Marvel. No, he reckon. wouldn't leave. But you could like consult, like someone, someone call Feige and be like, "Yo, man, can how much is an hour of your time?" But also, but also, the thing is, it would benefit Marvel. Like, I know people might not see that like that link but it would benefit marvel for dc to be successful like to have dc hat make successful big budget movies the reason we you know is that the more people we get in cinemas again support in cinemas and just an awareness of the comic book not awareness everybody knows about comic book movies but just obviously the enjoyment of comic, the comic book genre mm-hmm. I, I think it leads into each other like you know and having the success that marvel had if dc had it too it would be, it, it can only benefit cinemas so um yeah because if people get burned out on dc films then it's very likely you know the casual fans at the very least are going to be the ones to say no i didn't like that last one i'm not going to watch this one whether it's the well, yeah. same p- publisher or not it always makes me laugh as someone who's a fan of comics when i go like oh I don't know, talk about something, 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 Avengers. And they're like, oh, is Superman in that one? I'm like, no, no. Superman is Superman is not in the Avengers. No. And they're like, well, well, I don't know. I don't know. And then and then sometimes we were watching like Thor or something, and someone will go, So so does Batman know Thor? And I'm like, no, Batman doesn't fucking know Thor. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, oh, where where is this come from? This stupid no. question. <laughs> like, and, I, and I'm like, okay, so Thor's not in Justice League. No, Thor is not in Justice League. Like, no. and like when, when I like, I'm like, I know that you're not a combo fan, but we all grew up as children, like watching the same cartoons, right? Like, you know. Um, well, those are probably the same people that think you score a home run in football. So, you know, they have other interests. <laughs> 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 yeah I, I just like when, when it, i i know like as a comic book fan i obviously know that who the justice league and the avengers are and i know that dc and marvel don't cross over but well i mean there was a dc marvel crossover miniseries but <laughs> however it's not very typical that those people cross over so anyway right marvel uh brought fucking getting confused now warner brothers <laughs> Brothers, what, what were you saying about this two getting <laughs> yeah i fucking got confused myself anyway warner brothers home entertainment i knew the difference that's why i stopped so anyway warner brothers home entertainment are going to preview some animation animated films so superman and the rest of the justice league are going to be in the injustice animated movie which are, is inspired again by video game and and also comic books so i think that'd be a pretty cool movie to be honest so 
they're also going to premiere an all-new animated movie, which is Catwoman Hunted, which is a heist movie. Um, mm. I think that heist movie is going to be pretty cool, to be honest. Out of those two, I'm actually more excited about the Catwoman movie. I'm not that interested, really, in the Injustice. I mean, people... I mean, I really loved the uh, Injustice League that was part of the Justice League cartoon from the 2000s. So, oh no, I'm sure it's going to be cool. But between the two of them, I would love to see like a proper Catwoman. I mean, that Catwoman movie they did with um, what was her name? Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Do you know what? Harry Belly. Halle Berry. I said it too quickly. Halle Halle Berry. Um, I didn't put a gap. (laughs) So Halle Berry. Anyway, do you know what? It's like one of those films like I've watched like three or four times. And it's like rubbish, but like I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, like I watch it knowing <laughs> it's rubbish. Yeah. And I don't know what they were thinking though, and they made it like it. Oh, it was a. It's a mess of a film. Yes. But it's like a f- kind of slightly family friendly. It's a train wreck film. that you just can't turn away from. Yeah, like it's kind of. It, it, it was before they started taking superhero films seriously. So yeah, when, when they used to just yeah yeah let's make the it days of Joel Schumacher where we put rubber nipples on the outside of the suit. Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. what Batman needs. Yeah. So anyway, I think this Catwoman animated film would be pretty cool. So I'd love to see it. So, and that's the end of our uh, bloody that was that here. was a lot of stuff to cover though. Yeah, there was a lot there, which is good because we'll be back in a minute. I'm Tom. My partner Mike and I have been friends and co-workers for a long time. And at work, we're known for our daily water cooler conversations about TV shows and movies we are currently watching. Whether we're arguing over which Marvel TV show is the best or agreeing about which Netflix original movie is the worst, the pop culture conversation is always popping on Two Brothers at a Water Cooler. You can listen to Two Brothers at a Water Cooler on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe and share today. So we're back, and that first half of the show is pretty lengthy news. DC, Marvel, the big two. We're gonna we're gonna skip on a jump over into the independent world as we talk about Cult of Dracula Volume One, which is six issues by well, it's written by Rich Davis, art is by Henry Martinez, and it's published by independent comic book publisher Sourcepoint Press. Bit of a synopsis here. Cult of Dracula is a modern retelling, re-image, uh, reimagining of the Bram Stoker's Dracula story. It includes familiar names such as Van Helsing, um, and there's a bunch of other sort of familiar names dotted as well. And the setting is um, in current times in America. So that is kind of its similarities are very similar, other than one specific thing as we go through the story, which we'll talk about in a minute, mm-hmm. that actually the only real difference is key here is that Dracula is actually a woman. Yeah. Um, and actually Dracula is actually a woman of a, of actually from a different story. So we'll talk about that in a minute. So the origin of this story, I was kind of, I was kind of looking up trying to find out a little bit more about Rich Davis and this miniseries before we actually talk about it. So I thought the story of, I thought the story of how this story became became a story was actually very interesting. In all honesty, I thought the story of how the book became about was actually more interesting than the comic. Um, <laughs> wah, wah. So, 
so Rich Davis actually originally created this um, as a stage production in William, Willington, North Carolina, um, at a place called the Browncoat Pub and Theatre. And it ran for an entire month and sold out shows, which I thought was pretty cool, to be honest. Like, uh, that was in October 2013. Um, he, he also met some people while it was on stage that were kind of really excited for it and the whole thing was about they were trying to turn it into a screenplay to become an independent movie uh, at the time his wife um unfortunately his wife died last year uh that's rich davis's wife died last year of cancer and um which is obviously extremely sad but it sounds like she was incredibly supportive of the idea of this becoming a film however between the two of them they realized that actually they didn't have the money for it and kind of didn't really have any way of making it a film so they decided um actually it was quite sad as well he in he kind of rich kind of got a little bit upset yeah i think with his wife dying and deleted his whole script at one point and his wife actually had a massive go at him. uh he said he actually the interview i was reading he said um, i got it from both barrels and um <laughs> but, but i can understand like probably i was trying to i was trying to get my mind like so she's probably like knows she's dying and and she knows that when she's gone She's probably thinking about what uh, what's her husband gonna have, mm-hmm. like so. Which I actually thought was quite sweet that the wife was thinking, you know, I don't want him to pull this work into something, and then when I'm gone, he kind of has to rebuild. So like from scratch, if it's completely deleted. Luckily, she had a backup copy. So then they decided to rejig this as a comic book. So this is how we've ended up with Cult of Dracula. So it went from a stage show to a potential movie into a comic however there is now a movie in production so i'm assuming along the comic book route source point must have introduced him to somebody or other and it's with a production company called shore pictures and the producer is jerry cartier um uh, in terms of the excitement that i've just had about that was more around the origin of this comic um <laughs> Before I give any of my initial thoughts, Jasmine, what are your initial thoughts of these six Oh, wow. Put me on the spot. Okay. I'm just going to come straight out with it. This book was not for me (laughs) at all. It just, it, it, it was not my cup of tea. There, there were, I will say there were several elements that I liked. Um, for, for starters, Bram Stoker's Dracula is one of my favorite books of all time. The 1992 film uh, is also one of my favorite films of all time. So my love of Dracula and specifically my love of Bram Stoker's Dracula lore is very, very high. So I had really high expectations when I found out that this was sort of like an adaptation of that. Um, it, 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 It didn't reach my expectations and it it missed by a country mile. Um, But there were some things that I did love. Like there was one scene where we're in someone's bedroom and they have a poster of Jason Momoa's Aquaman on the wall, which I thought was kind of funny. The connections that they make with other lore, like uh, La Llorona was one that came up and La Llorona is sort of a, a Mexican tale of a wife who has two kids and then finds out that her husband is cheating on her. And in a fit of rage, she drowns her two children and then drowns herself. But because she murdered her children, she cannot get to the afterlife. So she is cursed to roam waters and she drowns other children. Um, that, that 
there, there was a film. I did not see it because I don't like scary stuff. Um, but the only reason I know so much about La Llorona is because we did a project on it in one of my Spanish classes in high school. Um, so I thought it was interesting that they pulled some of the La Llorona your, uh, lore. Um, the Cain and Abel, they, we, there's a lot of biblical connections here in this book. We got a Cain and Abel connection. Uh, we have the connection with Lilith as being the, this is more sort of on the Jewish side of the Christian lore, but like Lilith, who was created from the same clay that Adam was created from, but she said, look, we're equals. And Adam was like, no, we're not equals. Like I'm better than you. And she was like, bullshit. And so she left Eden. Um, the, the running theme of Lilith, like having her hand in all of these things and becoming like the first vampire was the way that they kind of wove that in there was really interesting. So I think they did a really good job with kind of infusing Bram Stoker's Dracula with these biblical sort of connections and these other myth- mythology connections. But, but like the execution was not there it uh i mean you know you don't you don't really want to shit on people's work but like this was a mess the uh, it's, it's not like cohesive at all it has some really nice threads like there's nice thread work throughout this first volume but as a cohesive read not at all it is it is extremely hard to follow i think like it was my suggestion to, it was my suggestion to do this like, <laughs> um so i, I mean my, my my reason behind suggesting this was because i think most of this year our reviews have consisted of big like marvel dc mm-hmm. Im- image um vault comics yeah we want to give the little guy some love too uh, and yeah and we've also got some plans to do some other stuff and i said to you look we we basically have a plan of everything we try to review and it kind of shifts a little bit here and there. And we know mm-hmm. like, but it, you know, and then it, obviously this podcast does jump in and out of different medias like TV movies and comics. Um, and so because of that, our time is limited and we can only do so much. So we tend to look at bigger things. So I was, when I was plotting, um, I think sort of, I think July to the end of the year, I was kind of, trying to find places to make sure we could cover off comic book companies that we hadn't covered. Mm-hmm. And SourcePoint is someone that I'm aware of and I've never read anything by SourcePoint. And I was like, okay, so there's, so basically issue six came out the other day. So I was like, okay, so issue six ends the other day. So let's read all six issues and do um, the whole thing as a, as a review. Like as, as we said already, we're kind of now just doing sort of one review per episode rather than when we're trying to shove in two, two episodes, two reviews, or sometimes even three when we've gone a bit crazy. Um, so we thought, yeah, let's read all six issues and by source point, let's give them a go. And, and, you know, source point is obviously there for, introductory level sort of creators like writers and illustrators and stuff like that and like, like Jasmine said you know you don't want to crap on someone's work because everybody everybody has their first comic everyone has yeah. their first anything. we all start from zero at some point yeah yeah you know like even in the office level people start in the post room and work their way up you know everyone has their their, their ground their their origin story so obviously Rich Davis like I explained 
you know, he clearly has a massive love for this story of Cult of Dracula. He's obviously, you know, the fact that it was a stage production in 2013 and here we are in 2021, it's, it's obviously a big chunk of his life and he's obviously right. got a lot of heart and passion for this story, uh, which I have to admire, the fact that he, you know, and even before 2013, you know, to get to stage production, I mean, when did he write this? 2008, 2009? Let's just yeah. say, let's just say something around then. It could have even been in his head for 10 years before that. We don't know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he obviously has got a lot of heart and soul that he wants to put into this story. And while reading the six issues, it, there's there's a lot that he covers. And it's it feels to me like someone's come up with a lot of good ideas and not really executed them to the best efficiency as I probably would like. So right. I think we should probably let's sort of break down the story a little bit more in terms of my overall my enjoyment of this six issues though i hated it that's probably about the best way i can probably summarize it like um as i said to jasmine we've read it so yeah. you don't ha- you don't have to yeah that's, <laughs> like, that's the tone we're going with for this uh, review and yeah. you know it's just like i said at the very beginning it just it wasn't for me like the the overwhelming amount of blood and gore was unnecessary like i get it it's a vampire book so i understand that there's going to be a high body count i'm not upset at the high body count but like did i really need like 15 pages of people eating babies like i didn't need that i really didn't and I, I, t- I t- it was funny when I first started reading this, I texted Mark and I was eating dinner and reading at the same time. And I was like, I texted him and I was like, this was a mistake. Like I should never have picked this up while I was eating. What was I thinking? Um, and that sort of continued throughout all of the six issues. So fair warning. Like if, if you do intend to pick this up, it is very, very, very graphic and very, very, very bloody. It felt like reading the equivalent of like a, a Z, you know, level movie. Like, you know, like you got B movie and then we skip all the way to Z. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, and like when you said about the grotesqueness about this story, like mm-hmm. the artwork, yeah, okay, there's a lot of, unfortunately, babies and children. Um, but also when they do show the sort of real sort of beast type of, um, vampires, that it was unnecessary just how they even looked, you know, like. Oh, yeah, they were completely naked. There's like so many out, naked vampires like, in this book. Like, like wings and claws. And, and I, I thought I, the I, wing design was really cool, but like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, so that's sort of our initial thoughts. To sort of break it down a little bit. Cover art. What do you think of the covers? Fantastic. And not indicative uh, of what you're going to get inside the book. Oh, honestly, the covers were phenomenal. They should be like hung up and framed and just stuff stuff should be done with the covers like you know awards should be given to the covers you know if there are awards for cover art which i'm sure there are like i can't remember off the top of my head now but honestly they should be framed put in museums put in people's houses you know if you they should be used in bloody movie backgrounds you know if you've got some sort of movie scene and they're at bloody art gallery stick some of those cult, cult, <laughs> cult of dracula covers up honestly they the covers like you say are not indicative of the interior so yeah. i think that's a good segue the interior so uh, so the interior, we joke about it this all the time about art that fits the book um and how sometimes we can let ugly art slide because it fits the story <laughs> and i just gotta say like this this was just not a style that i jived with i thought that all of the characters were ugly 
So like, it, yeah, like when you say sweet tooth, for instance, it was like right. quite ugly art, but it suited the story. Right. And I actually, I actually enjoyed the artwork of sweet tooth just because of the story really mm-hmm. mo- well, almost worked in sort of unison with the art and the, and the writing. I know it, it helps that the same person wrote and illustrated it, but, but also if you think about a lot of the books that we've read in our, um, for our late to the book, uh, late to the pie book club, like mm-hmm. Prosopolis and V Vendetta, and that's not ugly art, but it's not exciting art, but it fit the story. Uh, so this artwork was just horrendous. Like honestly, the so the first five or six pages of the first issue, I actually I, w- I didn't love them, but I thought some of the sort of aerial shots, especially the one of the church or the police cars around it, were bearable. And I thought, okay, I could probably get through this. I could see already within the first six pages that I wasn't going to like it. Uh, I wasn't going to, sorry, I wasn't going to love it, but I thought I could probably come round to the art. Mm-hmm. But the aerial shots are probably one of its more positives, but the facial features, I mean, there's no, sometimes it is very difficult to tell the difference between certain people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, other than other than say one person in black and white, yeah, like, or what they're wearing, like at yeah. at some point you can only differentiate people by what they're wearing. Yeah, there's no real difference in in facial features or anything like that. It's just face A is used on. It's almost like that Master of the Universe thing, you know, the toys where they just had the same body for each toy <laughs> to change a head. Yeah, like it was a bit like that in some of the faces. So it. There's no real attention to detail given on any of the faces. And again, this is a very much a novice illustrator. And yeah, you know, this is someone who clearly is very early days in the in the comic book world. You know, maybe Henry on his fourth, fourth or fifth project will be a much more finessed illustrator. But for me, it's not artwork that I enjoyed. It's not artwork that I love or anything like that. I just I didn't like it. Like, in all honesty. Yeah, I liked so. the wings. On the vampires, I liked the the way that the three sisters were drawn, um, and the three sisters is a direct correlation to the three brides from the original Dracula. Um, but outside of that, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, so and, and again, like we said about the gore and the stuff like that. I mean. So obviously the illustrator is directed by the writer. So, and I just want to highlight, by the way, actually, this is the only time, or this is very rare that I've seen this on, especially on independent book. Um, it says on the front page of everything written and created by Rich Davis. And the illustration is just illustrated by Henry uh, Martinez. And having done the research, so I can see why they said it was only created by Rich, because Rich clearly did create this like over 10 mm-hmm. years ago as a stage play. So he clearly didn't want to share any of his created um, creative title with the illustrator, but a lot of the time in independence, you do see um, the illustration. It's a joint sorry, effort. Yeah. So, so you see the illustrator shares creative ownership, but he probably, probably Henry was just work for hire. So, anyway, in terms of the illustrations, obviously he was directed by um, Rich. So he wouldn't have just decided to draw babies getting eaten. He would have been, told yes. that's what he was writing. But, yeah. And in terms of the gore and everything that's in there, this is the thing as well. There's a lot of gore, but again, it's just ugly. And I mean, I know gore is going to be ugly, but it's just so just badly illustrated. But it was like, over the top. Like we yeah. get it, we get it. It's it's a vampire story. There is no reason for anyone to assume that you're reading a vampire story and there won't be blood. Like I get that, but it just it's 
it's overwhelming, so to speak. Mm. Like it, it's just way too much of it. Yeah. Um, and I think as far as like characters go, like, again, you're, you're, t- you're taking characters that we are familiar with. Like we have Ben Helsing, we've got Jonathan Harker, we've got Mina, we've got Lucy and Arthur and um, Renfield. And again, like I said, we've got the three brides, but they're sisters now. Um, so all of these characters are familiar if you are familiar with the Dracula lore. But aside from them having the same names, it's it's not, I mean, it, it doesn't really flow with and what I would have thought. And, inter- and, you know, of course, I'm biased. Like I said, Dracula is one of my favorite properties. Um, it doesn't jive well to me. Like, I mean, there, there are certain things that do check well, like Jonathan Harker and him getting in, you know, enticed by the three brides, that sort of happens. Lucy being sort of loopy and out there and in her own world, that happens. Um, and Mina, I guess the, the dynamic with Mina is different because they've made Dracula a woman in in this story and consequently like dracula is mina's mother to a certain extent um so it's yes you get the same names but the characters play much different roles which is kind of i don't know it's it it was just hard it was hard to let go of the characters that i had in my head while i was reading this book because to me, the the characteristics of these people did not jive with what I was expecting. Now, again, that's my own fault. Like I have, I went into this with expectations given the source material. And so, because I had source material in my head while I was reading this, I was like, help Ben Helsing wouldn't do that. Or like Jonathan wouldn't do that. Like, so I, I read it from that point of view, which again, I understand is biased, but um I, I honestly don't see the point of having reimagined Dracula when you didn't use the characters from Dracula in a way that was that recognizable. Right. If that I, makes sense. Like, why wouldn't it just be an original story then in that case? I think it's actually a good transition to talk about the overall story and structure of the book. I So for me, for me, I felt like it was a combination of good ideas executed badly across the six issues and yes. the, the, the plot and the pacing were really off also the characterization um was just a mess everywhere like um it was difficult to really get to know any particular character i didn't feel like any character had probably above and beyond stood out and also been i don't know like may like actually they hadn't really shown much of any of the characters given us something to to get into like or even like a point of view character that we could really get into mm-hmm. it was just like i mean i know like every i noticed this with every issue they kind of would end with some sort of revelation and the next issue would potentially start with a flashback or filling this in I, I didn't feel it was like filling us in enough like yeah i don't know i had um, said before we started recording it felt like like you said the the idea was there in in the author's head but he was too close to the idea because it just doesn't translate. Like there's so much stuff 
that probably makes a lot of sense to him, but it's really hard for the reader to make that connection when, because we're not in his head. Um, so I, I do think that he, he was definitely trying to do something, mm. but it just, it, it didn't come across the right way to me. No, no, not so. Um, I was going to say this is probably going to be in danger of being like our shortest review ever. Um, so, like, I didn't. I mean, uh, it's unintentional. Like again, it, it the idea was there, and again, there's there's so much potential in a Dracula story. I think that honestly, I think that there's. I mean, if we got a woman who created vampires that freaking glitter in the sunlight, like there's room for all types of vampire stories, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but to use the original source material in such a lackluster way didn't make sense to me. Like it just, you could have, you could have made an homage instead of saying that it was a reimagining because I just don't see the, the reimagining. I mean, yeah. I mean, so the only re- so in the interview I read, actually, basically somebody had encouraged him to change Dracula to a woman and, and sort of the link then became to make it Lilith. And someone had said to him, other than that, this is just another vampire story. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what this is. This is just another vampire story. Like right. it's just a bo- it's just a boring, another vampire story. It's not original. Like yeah. I know you've, you've gender swapped Dracula, yeah, I don't. I don't care. I don't care that you gender swap Dracula. I don't really care. Like, I don't. I think. I think that was interesting to make Lilith the original Dracula, and that could have been interesting in better hands or mm-hmm. more experienced hands. However, it just didn't didn't interest me. Maybe this movie might be really good. I I, I doubt it. Like, I I mean, I can't. <laughs> I, I can't see this movie being good. But yeah, well, the Lilith connection could have been really really great. I mean, yeah. she she was a woman that was scorned by the angels and by God. And she took things into her own hands and then she was cursed. And the curse was, you know, you, you defied us. And therefore we're going to kill a hundred of your children a day until you, you know, repent and come back and all that stuff. And she basically stood up. Well, I mean, I think that's what they were trying to do and it just, it didn't come across. Um, But like, I, I appreciate a good female villain, but, my beef and i say this all the time my beef here is you made a woman the villain yet her driving factor is her children and that pisses me off because to me it reads that women have no value outside of motherhood and i think that is complete and utter bullshit so you had this great character who literally defied god in lilith and you basically turn her into uh, just a, a woman on a rampage, and that's not what she was at all. Um, I think it would. I think the six issues might work better if we'd have made Lilith the point of view character, and almost and you know started maybe with her in current context, and then go back and fill it in, and just made the book about Lilith like that could have been a much better story mm-hmm. rather than what it felt like to me was. We were here one minute, here the next. When the first issue starts, and we've got um, uh, FBI agent Michael Brown walking in, and I, mean, I get, don't get me wrong, it was horrible. He walks in, it's a church, it's all these dead bodies around, and and you know the first sort of maybe ten pages are kind of on him, and then we kind of pop in on him throughout the next throughout the six issues, and he hasn't really got a big part to play really beyond that. 
but when we first come in, I thought, oh, this could be quite cool. It's going to be sort of, he's going to be investigating it and it's going to be our vampires real. And then he kind of just gets sidelined. And I was a bit like, oh, it seemed like it could be quite strong. And don't get me wrong, we've had a million and one detectives investigating supernatural stuff. It, that, like, it wouldn't have been original, but it could have actually been more enjoyable than right. what we had here was just a hodgepodge of ideas. Yeah. And think about and it this way. We've spent all this time talking about all these other characters, except for the main character, who is Mina. Like, how can you have a book with a main character that is so forgettable that we talk about literally everyone else in the book except for the yeah. main character? And and the the sort of reveal that uh, Mina is a daughter of Dracula, like, it all it has no effect by the time it happens because there's no there's no lead up to it like we we have not had a chance to build a connection to like, Nina that, to care that, in the first place when they said that I, was like, I don't actually care yeah like, exactly I don't, I, don't, I don't care I was like you know I don't care about any of this like, yeah. so by the time we got to the end shit happened and um Dracula's dead or not dead potentially <laughs> it's it's kind of ended with Dracula dead but there's potential that Dracula's not dead let's be honest Dracula's probably not, not dead. dead. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it ends on a cliffhanger. Um, and it says that there's going to be a sequel called Rise of Dracula. I assume that's Dracula coming back. I'll be honest, I will not be reading it. Nope, me neither. G- good luck. Um, Wish you all you, the best. Maybe it'd be better. Some sometimes, sometimes you know, like, yeah, but you, but let somebody else tell me that it was better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes though, like you know, I've heard this before, like you know, with TV, sometimes it takes two or three seasons for a show to become good, which is slightly frustrating. But yeah. I, 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 but I do get that. Like, I mean, sometimes it can take time to build up to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and may, maybe he needed to tell this hodgepodge of ideas before he got to the story he wanted to tell. Like, yeah. so um, maybe I mean, should, yeah. Maybe, Maybe he should have told the Rise of Dracula story and then came back and thrown, it, thrown this mess at us. I don't know. Anyway, so let's oh, talk about- uh, He could have benefited from a good editor too. Like a, a, a good editor could have maybe pulled pulled more out of his own head so that mm. it could come across better on the pages. Again, I think the the idea is there. It just, it it doesn't connect. Like the whole cult thing, there's a there's a part in book five where they go out and they're around this big tree and they're making a, a, a pinnacle and it's just like, okay, but why? Like, what 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 is the reason that people have to go through all of this stuff? Like, what why are we doing the ritual? What is the point of the like? There's no explanation for why the characters are doing anything that they're doing, and so it's yeah. just kind of like we're literally going from event to event to event with no explanation as to why the events are happening in the first place. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm already done talking about this. <laughs> Basically, So before we jump into ratings, I just wanted to remind you a little bit from memory. So this is our 66th episode. Um, I just wanted to remind you of a few things along the way. Episode 16, we reviewed the devil all the time and the third day. Now I know these are not, fantasy but we hated those two things like a lot oh my god that was a bad combo to read those two things at the same time i I, like i remember when we sat down to review it we were like oh my god these were so horrendous yes and and then uh in episode um 21 so we enjoyed the resistance by the way um but then we reviewed hellstrom which we again absolutely hated yeah so and then in episode 37 
one of those things we loved, which was Castlevania season three. Uh, again, but that was Dracula follow on. Dracula Dracula wasn't in season three, but he um, but his well, his children. One of his children uh, was, and actually, that was like a hundred times superior to yes. But we, but in that same episode, we reviewed Black Cotton issue one, uh, so which we didn't enjoy either. So, the reason I wanted to sort of highlight those things is because this is going to be the first time ever our ratings are going to be as in sync as they are. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I already know they are. So, in t- yeah. like, we've I've broken this down into three. So rating interior art, what would you give it? One. One out of five, by the way. Uh, so, uh, and writing? One. And cover? Five. So I, I am the same on all, all those. Interior art, one. Yeah. Writing, one. Cover. Covers are phenomenal. Yes, I, they are. Honestly, they, we we uh, will give you that. We won't take that away from you. These covers are fan-fucking-tastic. They are... They are so artistic in the way that they're laid out. Um, the monsters on the on the covers are actually really scary. These covers make it seem like you're about to read like a high fantasy book. Um, so we we definitely enjoyed the covers. And and I, I'll be honest with you, like I don't enjoy look. When it's a TV and a movie, I don't feel that bad about bagging on a TV or a movie too much. I don't enjoy bagging on comics, like because I know sometimes people just might make one comic and that's it. Like, um, you know, if it doesn't do well, like if it doesn't get, you know, I do think people are buying it. So I'm not, you know, yeah. if there's going to be a movie, potentially you may get a sequel. Like my, mine and Jasmine's review isn't going to change opinions. And um, although people listening right now, I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, I'm not going to buy that then. <laughs> but honestly, like it is, it's so bad. It kind of is like, it is the equivalent of some sort of Z-list movie, like in comic book form. Mm-hmm. It, it, it actually made me think I'm so glad I didn't, um, like we read it digitally. I'm so glad I didn't have paper copies. Um, I felt so revolted by it. In honesty, I was like, I would want to get rid of them or sell them or something. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to own them. They, that's how revolted I was by. Yeah, they by are that. extremely graphic. That is not an exaggeration. I mean, there are of the six issues, at least half of them have multiple pages of dead, dismembered, half-eaten babies. It's really gross. But you know what? When we um actually just thinking back, episode four, we reviewed Perry Mason's first first episode or first two episodes, mm-hmm. and there was something like a dead baby in that. But even that was handled better than than this. Well, yeah, was. but they never showed you the dead baby. No, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. they didn't like you know it, you don't need to see that shit. Like, yeah. no, no, that's kind of like the number one rule. TV and movies do not show shit that happens to children. Like yeah. that should be the number one rule, like all the time. Like, and I don't know. It was. I just- mean, I can understand it for like effect. Once, once, like again, this is a vampire story. We don't. You do not have to feed us the gore the way that this book does because we assume that that comes with the territory. So our imaginations while we're reading it, like you could have shown blood on the walls of the nursery, or maybe like. Uh, a hand sticking up out of a crib, but you didn't have to show all of the graphic gore that you did show. Uh, we're going to leave it there. In summary, we didn't like it. It's up to you. Yeah. You guys want to. You guys want to go read it and, and take our and advice. Like, we read it, so you didn't have to. Yeah, I mean, let's know. Like, you know, hit us up. Let's... Yeah, if you disagree and you think we're way off the mark, tell us because maybe it's something we're missing. 
Look, I read a couple of reviews online of two people that loved it. I wasn't sure if they maybe had read the wrong comic, but anyway, <laughs> um, I did watch a couple of other people's reviews online on YouTube and they pretty much agreed with what we said. So um, so I was like, because I've seen a few people trying to get these comics, like like looking for them, because obviously it's a small print run. So I was like, okay, so there are people buying this. So what my, so that's when I started reading other people's reviews just to get flavor. And I was like, okay, the online written ones are loving it. So I'm like, no, not on par with them. And then I saw a couple of people's YouTube ones and I was like, yeah, they seem to be in agreement with me. So maybe the written people like, I don't know. Like maybe maybe they just we just different opinions. Yeah, so. I mean, like I said, just it's not for me. Yeah. Okay. So next episode, we will be reviewing a Marvel Cinema exclusive Shang Shang Chi. I am looking forward to it. I've already. Me too. I'm, I'm going to go uh, and watch it, and um, I'm looking forward to going. So uh, I've already got my tickets. I'm ready. Oh, are you already booked them? I'm going to book them tomorrow, hopefully. So um, anyway. Don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our ninth late to the party book club was Persepolis by Marjan Satrapi. That episode dropped mid-August. And our next book club, we're going to be reviewing the first two volumes of Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughan and Pia Guerra. Just FYI, that's the first 10 issues of that series. So um, you can also follow us on social media. We are Geeks on Niche on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Uh, come back next week where we'll hopefully be a lot more positive about Shang-Chi. So have a good week and good journey. Good journey. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs>